0: Well, happy Labor Day weekend to all of you here in Rochester and to our Webster campus as well and, and everyone online. I don't know what, what Scott's thinking. Uh, you bat clean up your fourth in the lineup. I'm batting 11th, all right? That's... <laughs> Like in some of these softball leagues, you can bat 11 players, usually like the 10th and 11th guys are guys you just hope they don't pop up, you know, and that they, you just want them, you just want them to get on base somehow, and, uh, but anyway, thanks, Scott, really, uh, really appreciate that, and um, it, as Scott said, it really has, um, it, it's been a blessing, I think, f- I know for me, I hope for all of you uh, this summer to uh, just walk through the Summer on the Mount, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and to have just a bunch of our our leadership team and guys on staff share their perspective from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And I've been blessed. If you're pretty new or you're just catching up a little bit, I just encourage you to go back, go online, go to our website, and you can look back on the summer series and catch the ones that you've missed Um, because each one has had I, to me, just a, a way to get to work on my heart and get me thinking about some of the things that Jesus taught and what He wants us to incorporate into our lives and what He, how He wants us to live some of that truth. And you know, just last week, John John McIntyre, one of our lay elders, he grew up at this church. John was in preschool when I got her. That's like how old I am, which is why, I'm, which is why I'm batting eleventh. You know, but you know, John was able to just you know, the, the narrow path and the wide path and walk us through that. And 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 way back a couple months ago, Brad Files, our, our, our online campus pastor, just a friend of mine for, for decades, just helping us understand what it is to be salt, to be light. And Nate Miller on relationships and prayer. And, you know, Drew, our, our lead pastor, just, man, it caused me to wrestle with those issues that cut to the heart of, of money and worry and worrying about stuff where your treasures there will your heart be also that's all embedded into jesus's sermon on the mount and uh you know we all we all love jason our, our small groups pastor and then daniel daniel's the arkansas guy he speaks like he came from arkansas okay he's he's in arkansas right now and i'm here that's why he got to take break but uh you can tell i'm i'm trying not to be bitter about not having I'm not I'm not camping anywhere I'm with you guys and you're all here and it's a really lousy weekend to be camping right now anyway isn't <laughs> it no I got up this morning and said ah oh, those guys that are on vacation let it rain no it's good yeah that's <clears throat> yeah Jesus is working on my heart too so um but every one of those um God wants us to think about heart issues, and Jesus is able to do that with the Sermon on the Mount. We can blame Connell, our our, uh, student ministries, uh, he leads our student ministries here, for this title, You Taught Me Not to Think. Uh, I've appreciated Connell so much. He's like our young guy on staff. I call him the kid, I think it's a great nickname, um, because he loves the Yankees and I love the Red Sox, and the kid was Ted Williams's nickname, so I, I gave him a nickname based on the great Red Sox player, just a way to get him, but um, a couple months ago, we we're getting ready for this series and working our way through it, and I realized, oh, they stuck me with Labor Day, okay, all right, I said enough about that, all right, but Connell was saying, Dave, you need to go see uh, Top Gun Maverick, and I go, like, well, why? And he goes, cause it's like the greatest movie ever. I'm like, you guys say that every summer about the next movie, the movie that's the greatest movie ever. No, this is really, really good. You're gonna, you're really gonna like this. So, um, I, I just don't go see that many movies. I'm just, I tell him, I'm just a tightwad. You know, I'm like the baby boomer generation. I'm like, I'm not gonna pay $14 for a movie. And he goes, oh, you get a senior citizen's discount. I said, <laughs> I said oh, okay, good. So I got in for 10 and that wasn't, it wasn't too bad. But, um, that movie starts out, there's a great scene in there where Tom Cruise is, is teaching, he's brought in to teach this young group of pilots, and he has the stack, he has the manual of everything they need to know about their, their fighter plane. He holds it up and he says, you know everything that's in here, your enemy knows it, and he just throws it in the trash can and he says, my job is to help you understand your limit. I've got to take you beyond what you know in that manual. And that theme is kind of woven into that movie, and you get near the end, and I'm watching, I'm thinking like, whoa, this is like, going to be like the one movie, I think Maverick's going to die here, because it's like, he's he's going down, the enemy's going to take him out, and then Rooster shows up, his wingman, and takes out the enemy, and what does Maverick say? He yells to him and says, what were you thinking? Because he wasn't supposed to be back there in enemy territories. And he says, you told me not to think. You remember that line. Sorry if I spoiled it for you. <laughs> Nate, Nate Miller's seen that movie like seven or eight times now. He's, he's got a lot of extra time out there in Webster. But <laughs> the whole idea is this. You've got to take it beyond just what you know and what you've heard. You can't just say, this is a great message. This is a great summary. Those were good things Jesus taught. No. The idea is, how do I live this out in my life? How do I apply it into my life? As a follower of Christ, I must act on what I know. It's what we do with what we know that truly brings about life change. That's what Jesus is, is going for, especially as he brings his thoughts to, to summary at the end of Chapter 7. Let me read Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It's on page 788. If you're using a Bible and a chair and your device, it's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It's basically the parable two kinds of builders. <clears throat> Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it has. It had its foundation on the rock, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And these really are the climactic words of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, and they make They make an exhortation to us, to the listener, to live out with wisdom the teaching of Jesus Christ. So I wanna just make some observations on this passage and then then make some application uh, from some individuals that perhaps understand a little bit in their life what it is to to go through the storms that sometimes God allows and that are sent our, our way. Observation one is this Jesus just simply compares two individuals, the wise person and the foolish person, the wise person and the foolish person. And it's literally um, the the wise one who builds his house on the rock. Uh, The listeners of his day would understand what that meant. It was the person who learned, uh, who who learned through practice to live prudently. They knew some things, but they practiced those things in their life. They lived out the truth that they knew. It's the one who not only knows the truth, but chooses to act upon it. If you know a little bit of the Bible, the Old Testament, there's Proverbs, great book. If you're new to church, new to just like learning some things, I encourage you, just Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. You could read a chapter a day for a month if sometimes you're just wondering, what do do I do with this? That's a great way to just begin learning God's word. And every one of those chapters, there's wisdom. Wisdom's embedded through that book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is how some of those chapters begin. And it just embeds into your life areas of work, of relationships, of of struggles, and just making wise decisions in life with finances, with time, and all of those things. I think all of us know what it's like to be around someone who's wise. You just know when you're rubbing up against someone, they've got some wisdom. I should listen to that person. They can help me. The other night, just this past week, my wife and I were, uh, we had to drop a card off at a couple's home, they'd been they'd been married 60 years, and the family did something to celebrate their 60th anniversary. And uh, we were supposed to bring cards there, and so we were bringing ours personally to the house. And it was like 8:30. We're knocking on someone's door. Obviously, they've been married 60 years. They're a little older than we are. And I'm thinking, like, wow, we probably shouldn't have shown up in the dark. But they were uh, they were really happy to see us. At least they they said that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't too late. But they had us in they're humble they're kind they're gracious they love God they love Northridge Church um, they've served faithfully here and there's just wisdom that emanates from people like that and you just like being around them. they're like people you say, oh, I, I could ask them a question in life and through their life experiences they're gonna help you out the fool the foolish one that's where we get our word Moron from is is a Greek word there, um, and if you grew up in my day, it was a common thing we called each other morons. Um, I, you probably can't say that today. I don't know if you can or not, but um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It was just that person who had to learn by experience only. Like you tell them something, and it's like, no, don't do that. So, I'm going to try it anyway, and uh, they they would just make foolish decisions. And the fool would build his house on the sand. So observation two, there's two foundations that Jesus makes here. The foundation is built on rock, and the other foundation is built on sand. And it's an interesting contrast, because Jesus doesn't say anything to us about what the actual houses, the buildings look like. All he cares about is us knowing what the foundation is. That is the unique difference, We don't know if they were elaborate structures, if one house was really, really nice and be like in better homes and gardens or be like the house that you build in the Middle East. No, two houses, two foundations. And I love that really Jesus is following through the theme through the Sermon on the Mount that what is Christ concerned about? Not the outward appearance, not how you pray in public, not what you're like on the outside, but issues of the heart. And the issue of the heart here comes back to the foundation because you can't even see it. You I, know, we could look at houses and unless we go inside and go down in the basement or really look at it, we can't see the foundation. But it's the foundation that Christ says needs to be built on the rock. The person who listens to the word of God and applies it into their life and does it is like the person who builds his house on the rock. The foundation is secure. And that is the key difference. It's unseen, it's not observed from the outside, but internal, it's what is solid. It's that hidden level of the foundation. And I really believe that Jesus Christ here is bringing some things back to the listener that relate to the basic heart change. It's something inward. It's inward-oriented righteousness that only comes through relation relationship that changes the heart. John, Mac, John McIntyre last week you know, said it so well. There's a narrow path, and there's a wide path. And he talked us through just what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Accept said that Jesus is the forgiver of your sin and um, ask him to be the, the leader of your life and begin with that foundation in your life and then begin to apply Jesus's truth in everyday living, especially the lessons in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a third observation to make and I love just how direct this is. Um, Jesus relates now the call to put into practice what we know. And he's more, Jesus is more concerned about what we do with what we know. Jesus is more concerned about what we do with what we know. And this concept really is, is totally fleshed out in a book uh, uh, in James, where we're told to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Uh, James talks about faith without works is dead. There's this combination of, I have to not only hear truth, listen and learn it, but I'm responsible to apply that to my life and to live that out. It's the idea of, um, it's a simple word, but it appears over 20 times between Matthew 5 and Matthew 7. It's to do, to make, the idea of producing or declaring or practicing something. That's doers of the word of God. You need to do this in your life. So part of the reason we're always encouraging people to have relationships at Northridge Church, have relationships in a community group, to rub shoulders with wise people, because there's accountability. We're We're trying to apply the Bible to life, and we try to do that better in groups where we talk about it and pray for each other, encourage each other. We can ask a question and say, how do I How do I overcome this habit? What do I do with this situation in my life? What does it mean to to live this out? How do I work that in? And that's a a big way of how we work around here of just trying to help all of us, myself included, uh, live out uh, God's word and the teachings of Jesus Christ. There's a fourth observation I want to make that relates to the storms that are here, and it's simply this. The storms of life are identical but the results are radically different. I don't know if you caught that as I read through that, but in each case, the exact same words are used for the rains, the streams rise, the winds come and beat on the house. The rains come, the streams rise or the water rise, the wind comes and it beats on the house. One house stands and one house built on the sand. The crash is great, it's devastating and instantly the listeners to Jesus Christ there in the Sermon on the Mount could relate and knew exactly what he was talking about because they lived in that Eastern culture. They knew there was a lot of desert land. There was a lot of sand. There was a, there were a lot of dry areas. There were areas that today we say, oh, that's a floodplain. It's probably not a good idea to build there. And they knew the difference between the person whose foundation of their house was built on rock and the person who just threw up something really fast because it was convenient. And they put it in an area where it's not if, it's when. The rains are going to come, and they're going to come with ferocious force, and they're going to destroy that home quickly, and everything will be lost. And I mean, we're able to observe today just around the world, I think just a couple of weeks ago in Pakistan, you saw the, the power of water amazes me. Like one leak, what it can do. I mean, plumbing scares me sometimes. It's like the pressure in that, and I goofed up something yesterday on my house, and I had water in that bathroom, and my wife couldn't believe it. All right, so anyway, I got it. I got it solved and got the fan, but man, that was just like 20 seconds of a pipe being opened and a washer being missed and water just shooting everywhere. And uh, thankfully, there wasn't any long-term damage, but water's powerful. There's a final quick observation I'll make. It's the final verses of that passage where Jesus, the crowd responds and they said they were amazed, they were amazed at Jesus' teaching because he taught as one who had authority. He was living everything that he said. He was living it out in his life as one who had authority. He had experienced it, not as the teachers of the law, those Jesus' audience was used to listening to Pharisees and leaders of the law, the scribes, always referring to all these laws and things that had, they had been taught. Here are the things you need to know. They hadn't had someone like Jesus literally sit down with them and say, here's how to live your life. Here's how I'm living my life. Here's what I want you to know. And they connected with him because they saw in him someone who understood them and understood truly what was going on in their hearts. There's a way to to live your life to build your life on the rock and obviously if you've been here a while you know we talk about the gospel in beginning a journey a spiritual journey by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. And I just want to really share two stories on Nor- people at Northridge that have had their life changed their life on a rock, built on a rock, and they had some pretty tough storms come their way. They realized more than anything, in the middle of those storms, that Jesus was true, he was a rock, and things were not gonna change, and their eternal destiny was secure. We've been in this auditorium for uh, like 12 years now. 2010, we finished it. We got in, I think, in February of 2010. So you have to go... A long way back, if you were here when we built this, it's solid. That Genesee River is going to have to come way, way up out of that gorge. The Mount Morris Dam is going to have to collapse. And if we get flooded here, this place will stand. Because I saw how much dirt they took out of here before they started pouring the concrete. And it's, uh, it's solid. A couple months after we were in here, um, someone on staff had a meeting on a Friday afternoon. And he finished that meeting about 2.30 or 2.45, and in the parking lot over there, probably where you parked, he got on his motorcycle and headed up St. Paul. He was gonna pick up get his wife. They were gonna drive in their car to Henrietta and go to Buffalo to a friend's wedding. It was just gonna be a great night and uh, a good dinner and everything else. And just past the entrance to the zoo, someone was coming south in their car, didn't see this staff person on his motorcycle, and they took a left, And the crash was great, loud enough that it was heard for a couple blocks. Uh, Even a, a college distance runner was out running. He knew the guy on the bike. The guy on the bike knew him, but they didn't recognize each other at the time. He got there and kind of directed traffic. A bus had stopped. People got off the bus. And the damage was great. There was a fractured pelvis, femur, shoulder, ankle, wrist, and internal injuries that were causing some massive bleeding at the time the ambulance came pretty fast they loaded this guy into the ambulance and he was still awake he was still conscious there was another staff member there from our church that was talking to him got in the ambulance they drove right by northridge church It's going right by here and and uh they got a little ways and the emt in the back yelled to the guy driving the ambulance the sirens were going um But he yelled to him, hey, I'm standing up back here, but you can't slow down. We've got to get to strong. I can still remember that day. I was the guy in the ambulance. And um, I'm not telling the story, please. It's it's not cool. It's not like, I, I survived, obviously. I woke up eight days later. But on that ambulance, I do remember this. I knew those injuries were really, really severe. And I knew how they treated me, that this didn't look really good. But you know what? God allowed me to have peace. I knew it was well with my soul. It wasn't anything I had done. I just knew I rested in the hands, in the arms of God and Jesus my Savior. And I had this peace. I was sad. I I felt like I wasn't fearful of dying. I felt really, really bad that someone was gonna have to tell my parents that I didn't make it. And I, I thought, my family... They, they know the Lord. They're going to be okay. They're going to get through this. And then next thing I knew, the guy's talking to me and telling me to stay with him. You got to stay with me, buddy. And I was tired and I was cold. And I thought, oh, this is how they die in those old war movies. And so, so I went to sleep. And eight days later, um, I, had, I was in the hospital discussing with my wife what weekend it was. And she won that argument because I, I had missed eight days of my life. But you know... When the storms come, you don't have time to prepare for it. But wherever you are in your life, on your spiritual journey, if you know Christ, you're solid, and you got to rock. And no matter what God sends your way, and all of us have some storms, and sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's a lost job. It's not always an accident or an illness, but it can be some pretty devastating things that God could send your way. And they may not be solved this side of eternity. It may continue for a long time. But if you build your life on the rock and apply the teachings of Jesus to your life, you will have that confidence. And whatever comes your way, whatever God allows is part of his sovereign plan for you, you will rest and you will know it is well with your soul. And I'm thankful today to, to know that I can continue to serve God and, and be here with you. Know that my life is in God's hands no matter what. I have a really good friend who's... Um, his storm is a little slower. It wasn't just a bang, a huge impact. But his name is Steve, Steve Powell. Steve is there with his wife, Marilyn. You might not know Steve. It's been a couple of years, probably since he's been in this building. And those are some of Steve's friends. We helped Steve and Marilyn move a few months ago. But well, let me back it up. Steve moved to Rochester in the 70s. Steve is a retired chemical engineer from Kodak. Engineers always tell me that the chemical engineers are the smartest ones. Sorry if you're electric or something else. That's what they tell me, the chem-e guys are the cream of the crop. And when Steve moved here, he did not know Christ. A friend of his came to understand what it meant to believe in Jesus Christ and told Steve, you need to read this Bible and find this out, and Steve decided, as an engineer would, I'll figure this out for myself. He began reading God's Word. This is close to 50 years ago now. And partway through the Bible, realized this is true. Jesus is real. Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sin. And Steve came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Steve served here at Northridge Church in our youth ministry. back Way back in the day when I was doing student ministry, Steve worked with junior high kids. You got to be wired uniquely to work with junior high kids, trust me. Middle middle schoolers they call them today. Steve impacted John McIntyre's life and impacted Nate Bannell's life our worship leader and a whole bunch of other people like that in that generation. And then Steve was on the building committee that helped with this building not build it, but financially help us figure out how we're going to come up with a few million dollars and that team with Steve crunching numbers, figured out that in a few years we could pay this off after we get in here. Not too often that you get in a multi-million-dollar building and eight years later it's completely paid for. But guys like Steve understand and have wisdom in life, and they serve God behind the scenes over and over again, year after year. It's a privilege in my life to know Steve as a friend. We've prayed together for years. There's a Friday morning prayer breakfast at quite a few guys go to, and if you're interested, see me, I'll give you the personal invite. So it's just guys, I guess, you know, you could... I don't know what we would do if a lady showed up, but, I, you know, it's like, a guys, guys, I don't know. All right, that's a story for another day, okay. But um, Steve and I have been praying together for a long time, and um, we noticed a year ago that he was having some slurred speech, and he said, I gotta go have this checked out, and uh, he... Went in for some appointments. They ruled out a stroke. It was like over a course of a few months, they were trying to figure out what was going on. We came back from the restaurant one Friday morning, and uh, we, we were just talking in the parking lot in his car. I was sitting in his Highlander, and he said, you know, he said, um, further down the list now as we go through this, it, it could be ALS. It could be Lou Gehrig's disease. And if you know what that means, there is no cure for that you eventually lose all ability to breathe. Your muscles just stop functioning little by little by little over a period of time. And I just remember, I remember where I sat with Steve, where we talked about, and he said to me, that's the worst case scenario. But he looked at me and he said, but I I won't be mad at God. And certainly a few weeks later, that was the diagnosis. And then he met with a medical team through Strong and they had to bring him in and confirm this was it. And Steve said, yeah, they were... They get pretty nervous when they've got to tell someone, there's nothing we can do. So I think maybe someone without God, without Christ, might respond and like say, you got to do something. You got to do something. Steve said, I just wanted them to know I, I had faith. I had faith in my God and I'm going to trust in Christ and he's my rock. And it's interesting over the last few months I've tried to, to visit Steve as much as I can and he has oxygen now. He can't talk at all, so he types words on a computer and then it it comes out and we can carry on a conversation. He's exhausted uh, pretty much all the time just from trying to to breathe. And yet, Steve Steve said to me not too long ago for the first time, he says, I I know what it means to long for heaven. Because I'm longing for heaven. He's 72 years old. And as healthy as you could be two years ago, a year and a half ago, now he's longing for heaven. When I knew I'd have this end of this message or this series a couple months ago i say steve would you there's a a parable of the guy who built his house on the rock what do you think of in your life when you think of building your life on the rock Because god has given you peace and it's built on the right foundation and steve wrote these words and gave it to me a while back and he wanted me to share it with his church i like rocks i always have especially when i was a kid my family had a cabin Near a beach on Lake Superior, every day I'd walk the beach in the morning to collect rocks. Sometimes the best stones would arrive after a stormy day on the lake. The stones would be tossed around when the weather was rough. Sometimes the entire beach would change after a storm. But there was one rock nearby that was different. It was called Five Mile Rock because it was five miles from the closest town. It was, it was maybe three-quarters of a mile offshore. The highway was right next to the beach in this section so you could see it pretty well. I must have passed that rock hundreds of times in my life, maybe even over a thousand. I never got tired of looking at it. I looked for it every time I went by. It was about 50 feet long and five feet high. It was not impressive. It was just a dull gray color with no foliage on it. It was pretty plain, really. It didn't look too big at it from the shore. From what they say, I guess the rock must have been a lot bigger underneath the surface than you could ever see above, because the water was pretty deep where it was located. You know what I liked about that rock? That rock was always there. It never moved. It always looked the same. It was always in the exact same place. You could depend on that. It was there in nice, calm weather when you could see it easily and in stormy weather when you could hardly see it, but you knew it was there. That rock, Steve's gonna finish this part out. That rock reminds me of my Savior. He is always there. He never moves. He is there when life is going well and also when life is more stormy. He is there even when we don't see him. And there is a whole lot more to my Savior than what I can see. I'm glad my Savior is a rock. Is he your rock? Hmm. You see, Steve hasn't wavered in his faith. His faith isn't based on that he was a great engineer, he was a great youth leader, he was a great husband, he's a great dad, he's a great, really good grandfather, he's like a really good friend, just a faithful guy. But his faith hasn't wavered because it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ. And when Steve says that through his computer, his words coming to us today, he really wants all of us to make sure That we know jesus christ as the rock of our life let me pray god you're good you're faithful you love us and you gave us the words of christ and this summer lord we pray that little by little we would become more like you because we're working on applying those truths to our life we more than anything today wrestle with the question of whether our life is built on sand our life built on the rock of Jesus Christ. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.